This is the Leeds Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Phil Fraser. I'm a business sounding board. Think somewhere between a business mentor and a business coach, and I help business owners to not be lonely at the top. In this week's episode, we speak to David Richmond, owner and chairman of Batched. David tells us how a small sticker business grew to over 500 staff, how he then switched to taxis, and then the catastrophic effect that COVID had on the business, but how it then launched the new business he owns, Matched. He also teaches us how to stay positive as a business owner. To make sure you never miss out on every episode of the Leeds Business Podcast, sign up to our priority list at www.leedsbusinesspodcast.com. Everyone that signs up gets a free gift to help their business. So let's get into what is a really fascinating interview. If you've ever landed at Leeds Bradford Airport, you'll know Arrow Cars. If you've walked through the Trinity, the train station, or the White Rose Centre, you'll come across Batched. Today, I'm talking to the man behind both of those, David Richmond. Hi, David. Good morning, Phil. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, the story doesn't start with taxis or, or buns and biscuits. It starts with printing and stickers. Is that right? She starts with stickers. It starts with stickers. So, tell us how you started with stickers. Well, that was an old family business, really. My father started in stickers in the late 1960s, and he sold out in 1977. So so it was an industry I understood and I grew up with. And really, I always wanted to go into that business. So, so in 1986, I, I opened my own sticker business. And I started it in a so-called factory. It was two and a half thousand square foot on Brown Lane, West in Leeds. And I started it with just me and a desk and a telephone. And then I got on the telephone and one way or another, I got the, the exclusive licenses for Disney, Garfield, The Simpsons, and all of the ca- characters. And that business grew and grew and grew. And, uh, and that, then it changed course because we, we had all these licenses and magazines started to, to do a cover mounted promotion and they couldn't do them for stickers as we had the co- contract. And that was our great fortune. How did you get the licenses for, you know, how's a, a little place in Leeds get licenses for stickers for Disney and stuff like that? Well, part of it is not telling the the whole truth and part of it is if they've gone into court and they've done, done, done it under oath and maybe those conversations have been a little bit different. So it's a little bit of brazenness, it's a little bit of half-truths or no-truths and it's really, it's just actually going out and selling yourself and selling a vision. Uh, and it worked and, uh, and that business ended up being a fantastic business. And it didn't just stick I was going to say, it didn't just stick as stickers. It didn't just stick as stickers at all, no. We were in the printing business, really. It was a special print business, as we called it. And we were dealing with the BBC and IPC and EMAP, DC Thompson, all the major publishers in the country. And they were ordering millions upon millions upon millions of stickers for magazines. Anyway, about two or three years in, we had a phone call and it was at the BBC and they said, you're doing a fantastic job. We've just realized that we, we've never done a factory inspection with you. Okay. So next week, next week we're coming up to do a factory inspection. 
Well, of course, our plant list was slightly different to what the, 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 the real world was. In reality, we, we had nothing. We, we had a okay. little flicking press and we had one person clicking stickers out in large sheets. But as fortune would have it, w one of our main printers, what was also based on Brown Lane West. So we spoke to them and we thought that they'd never notice. We, we took down our printer's sign. We built a new sign, so we called it Scorpio. We got uniform for all the staff to Scorpio. We changed the nameplates and all the doors to our name. The BBC turned up. And they went through the patch and it says, this is absolutely amazing. This is fantastic. And we passed every single test. And off they went. And a week later, the, the girl found us up and she said, your factory's got everything. She said, we all fought here. It was, it, she, she didn't do the printing. So we were all <laughs> a, bit, a bit nervous of this factory inspection, but it's something you had to have. So, of course, that got us thinking. And we thought, this can't continue. Because we've got a business based upon us being a print broker when we had to be a printer. So, so we opened up Scorpio Print Finishing and we moved to Dewsbury Road and we built a 9,000 square foot factory, stacked it out. And then we bought another print finisher on Kirkstall Road called E Fish and Co. And eventually that, that merged and the business grew and grew and grew. And then about two years later, I built an 80,000 square foot factory in Pudsey on Richard Saw Lane. And that business grew and then it grew into all sorts of things. It used to do Argus catalog. It did the census in 2001. It used to do the cup final programs. It used to do school exams. And I can tell you some stories about the school exams, which were actually very funny. And, and eventually it had 500 staff. It was the largest non-unionized printing company in Europe, I understand. It won award after award after award. And in 2003, I sold that business and sold it to Sitner's Motors and they had a venture capital fund. And, and that was it. I walked away from that and I'd spent 15 years in a business that I loved and it was time for change. And that's what I did. Right. Okay. Let's just go back slightly there. You, you said you grew and grew and grew. Again, how did, you know, how do you get, a, you know, how do you get the census? How do you get Argos? How do you get these? big contracts is it just like you said fronting it out and, and putting yourself out there it's fronting it out it's putting it, you, yourself out there of course at that stage it wasn't all bluster it was real people right. could come to the factory and it was a super modern factory it, it had every piece of kit there was millions of pounds worth of kit at that stage i think it was around 15 million pounds worth of kit in there wow. so it was it was a super modern thing. So, so it wasn't bluster. Yeah. It was real and we could do it. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and, you know, if you got 15 million pounds worth of kit, that's, that's, you know, that's not small change. Was that, uh, finance? Was that loans? I mean, how do you kit out a 15 million pound print work? Well, it's done over time. Obviously it's taken out on loans and finance and all that sort of thing. And the building, of course. So, so, so it's a proper business at that yeah. stage. Yeah. What would you, what would you say we key learnings from your time at Scorpio then? To stay w within your comfort zone. Okay. I think I'm very good as a hand-on owner who understands his business, who, who knows his business, who works with a small team of people and, and Scorpio up to a point, it grew to become a very large business. 
lot of people, lot of different, a lot of different departments, and it it was a different skill set. And and I think people should stick with within their their specific skill set. Right. I can't remember Marks and Spencers. Yeah. Marks and Spencers can't run batched. Right. Right. It's ch- okay. it's two different businesses. It's yeah. two different skill sets. So if you've got a company of like say five hundred people, how do you go about managing a company that size? It was 500 people. It was 24 hours a day. It was seven days a week. It was 365 days a year. It did all the Sunday magazines as well. And they used to come in on a Friday night. So, so everything was done to a time sensitive thing. And you've literally, you've got to build a management team that's capable of doing the job. And that's something we successfully did. Right. Right. Okay. And then the decision to, to exit, what triggered that and, and talk us through the process of selling a business because you know it's one of the things that everyone says you know you've got to build a business then then exit so why did you do that and and you know talk us through it it was very very simple i was at a function on sunday night in 2002 i'd had a few drinks i was a little bit tipsy and my phone rang and we'd made a mess of the marks and spencers catalog okay we'd mixed up the english version and the irish version and in those days it was pounds and punts right that mistake cost the business £300,000. Okay, that's a big mistake. That's a big mistake. <laughs> and I suddenly realised that as this business grows and becomes a monster, these things can happen more and more and the value is more and more. Right. And it was that night yeah. I decided I'm going to sell the business. Okay. So I spoke to my team. And we found a buyer within a week, Sitners, who immediately wanted it. They came in, had a look at the business, and six weeks later it completed, and it was sold, and I exited. Fantastic, fantastic. So, you've spent 15 years growing this fantastic print business. Anybody else would sit there and go, right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll buy the yacht, I'll... I'll Buy the, buy the property abroad and I'll do nothing else. But you didn't do that, did you? I was a bit young to do that. <laughs> okay. So you're out of it. You're out of printing. How did you come across taxis? Well, I was on holiday in South Africa and, uh, I'm sat in the pool. Once again, having a drink. <laughs> oh, he's having a drink. He's a little, so, so, and I'm chatting to this fellow from London. He owned Addison Lee in London. Okay. And he was telling me all about Addison Lee. And on the, on about day three, he said, this business would suit you down to the ground. So I thought about it and I'm still on holiday. So we came back and I said to my wife, I said, I'm going out for the day. I'll see you later. Where are you going? I said, I'm just going to have a look at some things. So uh, I came back and it was nine o'clock at night. She said, where have you been all day? I said, well, I've just bought two taxi businesses. She said to me, you've done what? I said, I've bought two taxi businesses. Well, I don't think she was too impressed, really. Right, okay. And and that's how the, the business started. And I can tell you, I sat there the first day, and the first week, and the first month, and I'm thinking, what on earth have I got myself involved in here? Right. The business is, or was in those days, a rotten business. Right. So which, sorry, just which two businesses did you buy? I bought Arrow. And right. what universal. Right. Both okay. They're both, lead, they were both, they're both, both companies in based in Horsford. Right. Okay. And so I merged them yeah. and it started off as a bog standard taxi company. 
Now, you said they were both rotten. Yes. What, what do you mean by that? In those, in those days, in the taxi business, accounts, VAT, that sort of thing was, didn't really exist. <laughs> and of course, I only understood proper business. Yeah, of course. And of course, and I assume a lot of it was cash as well. It, a lot of it was cash. The driver used to come in and pay cash. It used to be base rents in those days. That's how it all started. Right. No profit on journeys, and the drivers never wanted receipts. And it was it was a it was a real problem, and it's something that we struggled with. But obviously, I would only work a proper business. Of course, yeah. And I'm thinking, how am I going to turn this? I thought there has to be a way. How am I going to turn this? So I banged the door down at Leeds Bradford Airport. Okay. I literally banged the door down and I presented them with this vision I had of how they can make money and how the people who are landing at the airport can get a proper ride home at a fixed price. Because right. as we all know in those days, it was one price one day and another price another day. And, right. And drivers used to rip people off left, right and centre. And Leeds Bradford Airport agreed. So how did you structure that deal? You said Leeds Bradford Airport would make a profit and you'd make a profit. Absolutely. How, how did I you structure to, that deal? I used to give them a percentage. Right. Okay. Okay. And that percentage ended up being a lot of money. Right. I can imagine. Uh, and then that worked. Right. Okay. And some people complained and didn't like it, but actually it was a straightforward business. You paid before you get into the taxi. It didn't matter if the driver took the long way round or if he got caught in traffic jam or if he got caught in roadwork, the fare was the fare and you used to get a receipt yep. you didn't have to pay the driver anything. And Leeds Radford Airport was a great success, but I needed a second airport. Okay. And tried Manchester and they weren't interested because they perceived it as being a local operator. Right. Operating in Leeds, who's suddenly trying to get Manchester. So I needed to become multi-site. Okay. So I went to East Midlands Airport, another small airport, also owned by Mag Group, actually. And I did the same deal there. But then that opened the door to Manchester Airport. Right, and from okay. Manchester Airport, Bristol Airport, Birmingham Airport, Newcastle Airport, etc. And the airport business grew and grew and grew. And we became, if you disregard Uber and disregard yeah. Addison Lee, yeah. we were the largest company in the country. Wow. We owned our own cars. We, we were completely national. We had a huge corporate base and that business was an incredible success. And we spent uh, 16 years building that business right. into what it was. And its longevity was there. The contracts were there. New contracts were coming on and we were extremely well known. Right. Okay. So the, the, the contract side of it, what was that? Just regular trips or? To it was, to it, from it, was or? It, it was fully corporate trips. Right, so, okay. As, as well. So we had all the things. When it was foggy and flights were diverted and delayed, that was fantastic for us <laughs> because we'd be removing people from one airport to another airport yep. and we had contracts with all the airlines, all the crew movements, all the corporate people were using airports and that sort of thing. So, so it's not only members of the public, it was right. also a lot of corporate work. Right, okay. And from... As you were growing Arrow, what, what were your sort of key learnings from a business point of view from your, your time during that? Key learnings is to be successful. In those days, taxi companies were not successful. Right. Because 
they were not doing it correctly. Right. Okay. So to have the basis of a business, you have to have basic business function. Right. Right. Everything's got to be run correctly in terms yep. of answering the telephone, in terms of your accounts department, in terms of your driver appearance, in terms of your cars, in terms of all of that. And if you do it quickly, right, it becomes it it becomes a proper business, and yep. corporates can see it's a proper business, and they will use you. And that became a really substantial business, right? And so you're bringing proper business structures and systems and processes into what was a you know, we all know what sort of local taxi ranks are like. Correct. So you overlaid proper business learnings yeah. onto, yeah, like you said, rotten, it rotten was businesses. Rotten. Nowadays, it's a different business. Yeah. Nowadays, it's a computer-led business. It's run by bigger businesses of all board, each of them merged with each other. So now it is, on the whole, a proper industry. Yeah, yeah. But in those days, it wasn't. Okay. So we're going to come to COVID in a second. So... Running into COVID, give us, an, give us an idea of the size of the business at that point. The size of the business was over a thousand drivers. Right. It was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of company cars. Yep. It was, it was turning over between 15 and 20 million. Right. Okay. Uh, so that was the. Right. Okay. That was the size of it. So and, and it was highly profitable. Right. So we've got highly profitable. 20 million pound turnover business running into the start of 2020. Yep. Everything's going fine. Everything's going fine. Hunky dory. Hunky no problems. No problems. Before we get onto COVID, let me just talk to our listeners about the Leeds Business Podcast Fair Deal. The Leeds Business Podcast Fair Deal has two sides to it. My side of it is I bring you brilliant, fantastic, inspirational guests like David, totally free of charge. Your side of it as a listener has two parts to it. Part number one, recommend this podcast to one person you think and you feel will get benefit from it. Part number two is post a review at, on the Apple Podcasts app or at podchaser.com or gives a five-star review at Spotify. Or if you're watching on YouTube, say hello, David. You're watching on YouTube. Hello. Give us a thumbs up. That's the Leeds Business Podcast Fair Deal. Sound like a fair deal? Fair deal. Okay. So, what was it? March, 2020? March, 2020. We're we leading into it. Yeah. Fantastic business. Everything's fine. COVID hits. Was a disaster in many ways. As you can imagine, the business was profitable April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Yep. We didn't really make money in the winter months. Okay. We also bought our cars in the January. Okay. Every year to get ready <laughs> for the summer season. Okay. So we've got a large quantity of new, brand spanking new cars, all plated. Right. That costs money. Yep. And to keep the plate, you have to keep the insurance. So you can't suddenly park them up and then take the insurance off. Yep. And just as the busy period is about to start, the industry gets fully closed down. Now, that's okay if it's a few months, one month, two months, three months, four months, but our losses were, were violent and quick. Yeah. And even though the business was a wealthy business, it was burning cash at a colossal rate. That was okay for a period, but it reopened in the June 
Okay. And we thought, well, it's going to start to pick up. But then the government started changing the rules. If you all look back, I was out for lunch one Sunday with my wife in Helmsley and news came up that everybody in Spain has 24 hours to get back. And if they're not back within 24 hours, they get put in quarantine. And it was that moment I realized this is a problem. Yeah. This isn't just going to be for the next month or two months. This is going to be a long-term, a long-term problem. And there was also at that time, there was no market to sell cars. There was no market to do anything. Mm -hmm. We'd lost our driver base yeah. anyway, uh, but the, so, so the airport business was effectively closed down Yeah, and it effectively stayed closed until the February 21. Right. Okay. So the business is closed for a year. Effectively, effectively yeah. closed. It was doing bits and yeah. pieces, but when I say bits and pieces, but we also then couldn't get back our drivers because even then when it reopened, yeah. we couldn't really do a lot as the drivers had now gone working for other companies because th there was no airport business. So we were the first business to fully close yeah, and we were the last industry yeah. to open and there was zero confidence. Right. So, uh, so I was again, very fortunate. I, in inverted commas, sold the business. Right. To a, a partnership of two businesses, one in Middlesbrough and one in Nottingham who bought the thing, the yeah. business and that business is still continuing. They yeah. invested a whole load of money into it. Yeah. And now I understand that it's doing extremely well right. and it's come back to where it was. Okay. So on a personal level, how was that? How was that year? That year was a complete and total and utter nightmare year. I was fully aware that I would have been incapable of rebuilding the business back to where it was. I'd been in the business a long time and to yeah. start again, yeah. to rebuild something when you've been in that business with all the history of that business, I think is virtually impossible. You've also got to have a tremendous hunger to be able to redo it again. Yeah. And I didn't, I had hunger within me to still work and, and to do something, Yeah, but I didn't have the motivation. I just couldn't get myself up to, for going again. Yeah. But prior to that, yeah. I opened Batched. Yeah. We'll come back onto Batched in a minute. I just want to just keep focusing on this because I know you, I know our cars I use them when I go to Leeds Bradford. And Only Leeds Bradford? Only Leeds Bradford. Okay. It is in Manchester. <laughs> you know, just to see everything just almost like, like water through your fingers and you could do nothing at all. Nothing during at all. During that time. Nothing at all. It was our business. We didn't have the normal day-to-day -day customer. Yeah, we used yeah. to go to Morrison's or as yeah. or go to the restaurant. Yeah, nothing to fall back on. So we had most taxi companies, that's their business. Yeah. So even so, so as it normalizes, people start using again. We didn't have that business. Yeah. So people were not used to phoning us for that business and to go out and to try and get that business yeah. at a time when it was quiet anyway, is virtually impossible. Right. And to do that nationwide, yeah. which, which, which is what we'd need to do. Yeah. Just, just has no chance at all. So how, just how many airports did you have at that point? Six. Right. Okay. So it's a pretty national business. Yep. You've got. Problems on the ground all over the place. All over the place. And you just sitting there saying, 
what can I do? In that business, we we tried, but yeah. it was while the business, our customer base yeah. had gone. It wasn't was, there, yeah. There was no corporate travel yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. There was no airport travel. Yeah. There was, our customer base had gone and yeah. try as we might. Yeah. We couldn't make it work. And our driver, and more importantly, our yeah. drivers who used to make really good money had also gone. And so right. if you lose your tools, yep. I don't care how good a workman you are, you can't. You can't do your work. You can't do yeah. your work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just while we're on taxis, how does someone like Arrow compete with like Uber or is that not a competitor of yours in, in that sense? Well, we do a corporate business and yep. of course don't do right. that. It's obviously pre-booked. It's obviously yep. fixed fare. We were there and in the marketplace, it's just another player in the marketplace. Right. It disrupted to start with for the first couple of years and yep. after that it settled down and right. that's what it became. Okay. And obviously we've already talked about the exit from Scorpio, which obviously was a successful exit. Just talk us through, I suppose it was a disposal rather than a, a sale. It was how, a disposal. How did it, that feel? It was a disposal. How did it feel? I was relieved. Right, right. I was relieved. Yeah. It wasn't anything that was planned, obviously, pre-COVID. Yeah, of course, yeah. And I'd have still been in that business today. But it went, yeah. and uh, and I was really pleased. Right. I was really Just pleased. Really happy I, was, to get rid. I was happy to get rid. Yeah. It's not the nicest of industries, to be fair. Right. And, yeah, I was just happy to get out. Right. And I won't be going back in. Right, okay. So, but during that period, something else came out of it. So, I mean, Talks about Arrow Fresh. How did that come about? Well, Arrow Fresh, and that's how it started as Arrow Fresh. I was queuing outside the grocers on Chapel Allison yep. with, with Michael Magus and my good pal. And I'm queuing and I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I can help all these people. Yeah. I've got drivers. I can do a little bit. Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to, op I'm going to open up. A food business and went back to the office and we had a lot of internal skill. Yep. So we built a, a website in 24 hours, I might add. Wow. I went to the, I went to the fruit market. We bought all the fruit. We bought all Yorkshire cheeses and we became at this Yorkshire convenience supermarket. Right. And we started marketing it online and to be fair, that business grew and we started using our drivers who were taking it to people. Right. This is, sorry, just to clarify, this is a, a food delivery business. It's a food yep. delivery business. Yep. And it started off really to see if we can keep some drivers occupied and earning to keep the taxi business going. Yep. As that business grew, it quickly became obvious that I can grow the business, yep. but to make any money out of it is going to be very difficult. Right. But something kept telling me that there's something within this business. I just need to find it. Yeah. That's going to work and be profitable and be sustainable. And we were approached to sponsor the Harewood Food Festival. Okay. And I looked at it and thought, I'm not sponsoring it. I looked at it. We'll sell our wares there. Right. So we turned up to the Harewood Food Festival. We set up our things and we had our Yorkshire whiskey. We had our cheeses. We had our jams and we had our sweet treats, donuts, brownies and cookies. Yeah. 
and the doors opened and I was there. My wife was there. My son was there and my son's pal. And I was planning to stay an hour or two. And it was a three day thing. And 10,000 people turned up to this day, the first day. And we had a queue a mile long from the moment it opened until the moment it closed, selling mainly donuts, brownies and cookies. And they were ignoring... <laughs> ignoring all the other stuff. Ignoring all the other <laughs> stuff. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. So we took quite a lot of money. It wasn't very profitable because yeah. we didn't do it right, but, but that's fine. We, we got the bakers working and they were baking the queue and obviously it's leading. So it's coming up, it's coming up all the time and yeah. we'll be selling it and selling it. And we got back and I thought, right, this will work. And I'm going to do kiosks yep. in shopping centers. Okay. So I approached White Rose and various other ones and we put kiosks in and that just went from strength to strength. And now we've got 24 of them up and down the country. Wow. And that's shopping centers, train stations. Shopping centers, train stations. Yeah. Fantastic. And is that, yeah, did you manage to crack the, pro I assume you managed to crack the profitability yeah. side of it? Yeah. Yeah. That was very simple, really. That's what are you buying it for? Have you got the margin to, to sell it? What's yep. your wage cost? What's your rent cost? How much have you got to sell? Can you sell that much? And it's the so basic business. The basic business. Right. Okay. And what's the future for Batched? How, how big can it get? Or how big do you want it to get? How big do I want it to get? It's still got a fair way to go. It's a complex business, of course. It's got every day our vans leave our unit in Leeds going yep. all over the country at three, four o'clock in the morning. I think it can, I think we can get it up to about 40 or 50 stores right. and, uh, yeah, and keep it mo moving. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, every week on the Leeds Business Podcast, we ask our guests to give us a how-to. So today, David, you're going to give us a how-to. Tell us what you're going to talk about. I'm going to talk about staying positive. It's everybody in business has downs. Ups are easy, but everybody has problems. Everybody has adversity and everybody has problems. And what you can't do is blame everybody. What you can't do is just sit down and let it happen you have to look at something positive and you have to be proactive and you have to stay positive and just keep going. And if I hadn't have kept going, I wouldn't have opened Batched and I would have been in a business that was not for me anymore. And it would have just been, life would, would have been very different. And, you know, obviously you've had almost like the classic case of having to stay positive with what happened with, uh, with Arrow. How do you do that? How do you keep yourself positive like that? It's about having support at home. It's about mentality, I think. And it's about, and it's about not looking back. I left Scorpio and didn't look back. Right. So what's happened has happened. Look forward. Look at what your aims and aspirations are. So what's happened yesterday has happened. That's history. I can't do anything at all about that. I can't influence yesterday. I can influence tomorrow. Right. And that's always been my mindset. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, you know, you saying about staying positive, you've had that 20 million pound business crash overnight and you stayed positive. So you're a perfect example of doing it. Yeah. Had no choice. 
If I'd have been offered an insurance policy at Arrow Cars that said, by government decree, your business is going to be closed down and nobody's going to be flying for two years and it's going to cost you £5,000 to insure all of your losses, I'd have told my insurance broker I'm sacking him for trying to nick five grand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody knew what was coming. Nobody knew what was coming. Um, the other thing we always ask our guests on Leeds Business Podcast is to give a shout out to another Leeds business. So, David, who are you going to give a shout out to? It equals one and Philippa Galstone. We use her for all of our staff needs and she's absolutely brilliant and it's a fixed fee and uh, she's been going for years. She filters all the applicants. She gets all the positions filled. She's always available and it's a great personal service. Right. So that's equals one, Philippa Goldstone. There'll be links in the show notes below and I've used Philippa as well and I can only say positive things about her as well. So. We've been through quite a long business journey there. A couple of things. What would you say, because you always learn most from your mistakes, what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made and what would you say is the thing you're most proud of? So let's start with the biggest mistake and the learning first. Oh, the biggest mistake. I've made hundreds and hundreds of mistakes. I don't know what the biggest mistake is because I've made so many big mistakes. <laughs> there's a long list to choose from. There's a long list to choose from. All right, what's the biggest learning from a mistake? How about doing it that way around? Don't be scared of making a mistake. Right. Okay. Because if you don't make a mistake, you, it means you'll you'll never make a decision either. Yeah. So actually don't be scared of making a mistake. Yeah. But also recognize w when it's a mistake and actually don't be scared of turning back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's very good advice. And the thing you're most proud of? My family and my wife. Okay. That's fair enough. And business-wise, go on. What's your, what's, is, are you, would you say you're most proud of Scorpio, Arrow, or Batched? Or any particular aspect of those three that, that you would say? In my business life? Well, because I don't look back, Scorpio is almost history. Yes. Arrow's now history. Yep. So, of course, I'm now proud of Batch. Right. And if I move on to something else, I'll be most proud of that. Right, right. So, so I think Batch has done well, though. Fantastic, fantastic. David Richmond, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much indeed for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you found it interesting, inspiring, and of use. To make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes, please subscribe to the show. Go on, do it now. Do it now before you go off and do something else. Thank you. Much appreciated. Oh, and don't forget our fair deal. See you next week.